Welcome to Recruitment Down Under and our special series dedicated to meeting and learning more about the winners of the 2020 APSCO Australia Awards for Excellence. One Medical was awarded Most Improved during the pandemic, an acknowledgement for the firm that made the best progress in quarter three when compared to quarter two on the Staffing Industry Metrics Business Intelligence platform. Today we hear from One Medical's Ryan Cavallian about how the company stood out from the pack and tackled 2020 being a medical recruiter. Hosted by Nigel Haas of Staffing Industry Metrics, listen in to find out why One Medical were crowned this year's deserving winner of the most improved during the pandemic. Ryan, thanks for being here today and congratulations on winning this award. It was a pretty tight fight and um, you're very well deserving winners. So I hope that you and the team are all proud of this acknowledgement. Um, well done. Ryan, the contest was all about recognising the best comeback performance through uh, a pretty shaking and challenging time. I have to take my hat off to you and all the other participants who suddenly found their business smashed. But you had to fight back quickly. And this award was recognising that you got absolutely hammered in quarter two of, of last year. Uh, but you managed to turn it around. Uh, and not just turn it around, but dramatically turn it around. So in doing that, you stood out from the crowd. There was an objective set of metrics um, set to look at your performance. And you were... The winners. Well done, mate. Well done. Absolutely sensational. Cheers. Cheers, Nigel. Thank you. <laughs> um, I've been in recruitment 40-odd years. Uh, I've never worked through a pandemic. Uh, yet 40-odd years in recruitment, I would have laid money that if any sector was going to get through and have a great time in a pandemic, it would have been the medical sector. Yet some... Um, I've been proven wrong. I love being proven wrong after f so many years. Um, it just shows you're always able to learn. Ryan, what went wrong? <laughs> what went wrong? I don't, yeah. I, don't, I, I don't know if it did go wrong. Um, and hopefully hopefully, we don't have to work through another pandemic in the next 40 years. But yeah. anyway, we, we can't control that. Um, I, we didn't really have a comeback as such. I mean, we're a relatively young business and we're still growing at a, at a fast rate of knots. So we actually just kept growing across Q2 and Q3, um, which I know is a slight technicality, but that was our, um, you know, our reality of where we were. Yeah. Um, however, there was, I suppose, a comeback within that because um, we did experience as a sector and um, specifically talking about the doctor sector of the medical and healthcare space, um, we did have a large amount of cancellations, uh, mainly due to the state border restrictions. Yeah. So within those figures, there is multiple comeback stories where there was a lot of activity that happened behind the scenes to make the overall picture stay on track. Yeah. Um, our team are great. I mean, without being biased, I'd say that they're the best, some of the best individuals in the entire market. Um, I know everyone's probably biased about their own team, but uh, <laughs> I think it's uh, true words in that sense. Um, they worked really hard to rebook doctors, uh, predominantly in their home states, after the restrictions kicked uh -huh. in, and help find the doctors a new new place to work. So, look, doctors tend to move around for the experience of or working in a nice place or 
something like that. So I imagine you've got to talk them around from not going to somewhere flash and more lucrative to, to working domestically and on your doorstep. Um, how much of a challenge was that? It was a big challenge uh, for everyone involved in the space because it was essentially all the previous rules that we knew and the ways of working semi went out the window. And yeah. there was a lot of very quick adjustment that had to happen. But being in the healthcare space, there is an element of the show has to go on. It is the healthcare space. The hospitals have to stay open. Yeah. And so there's an element of it is what it is and getting on with it. Um, it was challenging for relocating some doctors. And on that journey, some doctors were lost in the sense that they simply they didn't want work in another location. They just didn't want to engage in any work. Yeah. Made what is a candidate short market or a candidate tight market in general anyway, even more so acute because some of the locum pool were then disengaging. And they were also being put under pressure to return to their home bases. A lot of the doctors we work with have um, some form of existing employment and they do locum work in addition to that. Yeah. They were all being told by their directors of departments and their colleagues, et cetera, please return home and please increase your availability for your home base and put your locum, your locum life on hold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was, yeah. A, there, was a, there was a lot going on, Nigel. I mean, it was, it's, so, it's so many different places within it. I mean, the, there was multiple different stories, I suppose, that unfolded. There's the interstate travel restrictions. Um, the market is truly national and international. So yeah. we were significantly impacted by that. We, we joke that um, we're half recruiters, half travel agents. And I'd, <laughs> actually, <laughs> I'd actually say it's true. You know, I think you're absolutely right. There's finding the work, there's finding the doctor, and then there's getting them there. It's a whole, uh, a whole other part to the process. Um, so that, that caused all sorts of issues. Um, we also then had the ramping up of the hospitals for the predicted COVID wave. Yeah. Now, fortunately, of course, that didn't eventuate, but we then ex started to experience cancellations of additional doctors that had been booked for the excess that didn't occur. Um, which, yeah. again, you know, it's the nature of the market. Um, of course, that... I guess elective surgery being knocked off the list would have uh, cut out a lot of work too. Yep. So elective surgery and various other critical, non-critical services, sorry, were reduced or, or, or paused. And um, that also impacts other sectors, not just surgeons, it also impacts anaesthetists. Yeah. Uh, and then indirectly, it also flows through to other areas such as, you know, medicine and rehab and recovery, et cetera, because there is a, a process depending on what the, um, uh, what the what the surgery uh, has been so th there's so many different layers to it so overall I think the market kept going along and remained its usual sort of overall total demand but there was a lot of different stories within it including for example the COVID clinics you know that was a whole new business stream that previously didn't didn't exist that was yeah. created overnight and now they're becoming vaccination clinics or they're due to be vaccination clinics yes um Jesus, it's a fastly changing area that um, one can imagine that compliance, trying to keep compliant with what's going on now must be an absolute headache. How do you guys get around it or, and, and keep on top of it? There's an element of we're just at the mercy of the world at the moment. <laughs> I know that sounds awful, but I mean, if you look in the last month, we've had four mini lockdowns. And, you know, there was the there was one in New Zealand. There was one in New South Wales just before Christmas, mid-December. Yeah. There was the one in New Zealand over in Auckland. There was the one last week in WA. And then there was the one yesterday that's kicked off in uh, Victoria. Like all of those four events in 
three different states and two different countries have impacted our market. We've had cancellations or potential cancellations unfold off the back of that. So even though there was a huge load of issues that occurred in um, April, May, June of last year, we're still experiencing them on a, mm. on a, on a, on a daily basis, you know? So it's, uh, it's, it's interesting to say the least. <laughs> uh, you're not kidding. You're not kidding. And of course it's all unpaid work. And uh, that's, uh, that really is a killer. Hey, I don't want to moan though. We're still in business. We're still doing well. We feel sorry for a lot of the other guys in other sectors and other non-recruitment areas as well. Um, it's not pretty seeing people going out of business, um, you know, even the local shops and stuff like that. So we, we do need to be grateful to a certain extent. I absolutely agree with you, Ryan. And I think um, I'm glad you've said that. Um, when COVID hit, what were the first three things that you really had to get to grips with? Um, I suppose the first one would be changing our way of working. So initially dealing with those cancellations that I mentioned and then trying to rebook, but then also moving forward. Um, yeah. We had to double down on our candidate attraction piece. Um, we're all, As I said before, we're already in a candidate short market. You've then got the fact that even if you can find the candidates, you can't then potentially get them to where they need to go, whether that be by their choice or by the government's restrictions. Yeah. Um, so that was that's hugely challenging. Um, the client's still expecting the doctor. The, the hospital still needs to stay open. Um, the team are quick to adapt. Um, as I said, they're a great team. Um, it was a case of saying, you know, this isn't a business as usual, but we've just got to get on with it and salvage what we can. Um, yeah. In a twist of the tail, I mean, we potentially benefited from it because we actually started working harder and faster. So we potentially actually came out better. It just didn't feel like it at the time because... There's nothing worse for a recruiter having to try and replace revenue that they've already put on the board and has fallen off the board and then yeah. try to get it back on the board. Uh, no fun in rectification work. <laughs> um, the, I suppose doctors as well stepped up to the plate. Some, some doctors took on additional work. So as, as, as much as some for, by choice or by not did step out of the market, some did also step into the market and double down on their input. Yeah. You know, we, guys that maybe um, live in New Zealand and locum back and forth in Australia, they committed to Australia and where they worked and, and you know, sacrificed going back to New Zealand for the foreseeable. Amazing. Um, you know, guys that, you know, interstate, similar stories and stuff like that. Um, the clients also got a bit more efficient, which was good. Um, they started to cut through a, a lot of the bullshit, so to speak, things that might have been debated previously. <laughs> things that might have been a bit of a debate previously started becoming a quick decision, which... Uh, which wasn't necessarily a bad thing, but um, I think that's quite a good thing. Uh, <laughs> if, if we've learned to cut out red unnecessary red tape to get things done because it's important, why can't we do that all the time? The the second thing um, of of the three major changes, I suppose, would be mindset. And um, we all just had to shift our mindset to deal with the new reality of the world. I mean, running a business is stressful enough in normal times. Um, ben, who's the um, the other director of one medical and um, him and I started up some fairly robust conversations around the what ifs. Yeah. Uh, you were very vocal yourself, Nigel and a few <laughs> other people back in, back in those bleak months. It was, you know, look at your PL, assess your PL, get down to brass tacks. What, yeah. what, what's critical, what's not critical. We really had those conversations. We had them hard, had them fast and, um, and started making the sort of what if planning. Um, clearly, you know, I, I value, um, people more than anything so people are our biggest asset 
and um, they would the, the, the plans that we were putting in place would be if we were to experience a downturn, how would we avoid that impacting the loss of any people for as long as possible? And there were some fairly yeah. there were some fairly colourful suggestions coming up amongst all that. <laughs> But fortunately for us in the medical space, that didn't actually didn't actually sort of transpire. But um, but we we did go through that process as well, and um, we, we were taking heed of um, what was going on around us. There was a there was a bleak couple of months, maybe around about um, May June, where the market did seem to be taking a, a stagnation, especially when the wave didn't come, etc. So um, uh, that was something for us that we were becoming more more involved with and concerned about yeah um i suppose the, the third the third thing that we um that we had as well would be um working from home um i was going to ask about that so <laughs> tell me more how, how, how has it worked how's it gone uh, yeah it's um it's, i think it's probably it's, would you say it's been one of the most talked about topics of the last 12 months working from home uh in a variety of discussions <laughs> yes uh, I've, I've got to say you know Prior to the pandemic, there were a few companies that were dabbling with it now and again. Yeah. Um, there are some companies that absolutely hate it and their team and their culture doesn't fit with work from home to the other extreme of, geez, we've already been doing it. We can make it work and we've got the technology to support it. So uh, a, a wide spectrum of, of people who were, prepared, unprepared, caught out, had to change quickly. Tell us your story. <laughs> uh, as, a, as a sort of, a, as a group, we've dabbled with it a bit over the years. And it, I think it's good for people to maybe, you know, in our space, work from home on occasion and use it as a bit of a chance to, you know, have a bit of a breathing space, bit of a mental health day, maybe, you know, have a bit of a change up to your routine and ultimately some people tend to use it for a bit of an admin day because yeah. they're not being harassed by other people etc um, as is the nature of recruitment businesses um, we've never done it we've never done it to the extent that we did it for a few months uh, last year we probably spent about eight weeks at home continually we did the usual pieces like tried to improve the communication and started having a continual Zoom meeting. Um, then everybody got Zoom fatigue because everyone's constantly adjusting what their hair or makeup looks like or whatever it might be in the uh, in the camera, which you don't have to do. It's, <laughs> it's your shirt that's distracting, Nigel, so I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't worry about your hair. <laughs> um, but no, we, we, we tried as much to have regular meetings and set patterns and we were Ben and I and the others were sort of quite a good support network. We're fortunate to have quite a few senior guys and we all know each other well and have worked together for many years. So we all know each other as friends as well. So it, we're not just work colleagues, you know, we're continually on a, on a mental health checking. So I think that was very yeah. important. Admittedly though, we did sneak back into the city quite early doors and, and it was great. We had the city to ourselves. Um, it felt like a scene out of some Armageddon film every day and uh, there was an element of once we got used to it we pretty much had Sydney to ourselves for a couple of months which uh, is probably something we might not ever experience again but at the time it was an interesting experience. <laughs> I think 2020 was full of interesting experiences. <laughs> What's the, uh, uh, you mentioned it earlier that um, in a way 2020 has done you good that um, You've learned to, to handle more, to do more, 
um, to deal with different situations. Um, how would you say yeah, that's going to set you up for the year ahead, which already, as you've mentioned, is, is um, we've had four lockdowns in the same number of weeks. So do you view that this year is going to be full of that littered here, there and everywhere, and that perhaps it's 2022 before uh, we're out of this type of environment? So your view of the year ahead? I think the general consensus is that 2021 is going to be more of the same. Um, you know, we, we're not looking at a vaccination plan rolling out until at least March in Australia. It will take at least six to nine months to administer that vaccination plan. I, because of the sort of zero tolerance or zero acceptance policy of any form of COVID, as we've seen, like these, these mini lockdowns that we've had in the last few weeks have been individual cases um, that's, that's the approach that the states and territories are going to be taking for the time being. They might, I'm guessing they might become more relaxed post-vaccination, but we're a long way away till post-vaccination times. So we've, we've already, uh, as individuals and as a team, come to terms with this is the world that we live in. One of the things that we've done specifically with the doctors is we've um, tried to place more people in their home states but it's easier said than done. It is a national, Ooh. international market. And because there's this ongoing shortage as well, or, or imbalance, whichever which way you wish to look at it, um, you very quickly, when there's no cases and no lockdown, start migrating back to, well, we could pop the doctor over to WA and, you know, it's, uh, you know, and then but it's, as soon as there's a case comes up, you're back in the risk zone of cancellation, as we've seen as recent as, recent as this morning. Um, the guys have been battling potential cancellations due to mainly Victoria, but also WA. Yeah, I think the year's going to be littered with it and that you should plan around um, that. Um, you had a great quarter three. Um, what do you, as a business owner, what, what do you take the most pride in out of what, what you and the team and the business have achieved um, throughout 2020? The most pride in? Goodness okay. me. Um, this wasn't in the pre-approved question list, Nigel. No, I know. I was catching you out. <laughs> um, Look, I suppose, um, and I suppose I take the most pride in still being able to be in charge of a successful business, um, and what and all the bits that go into that. Whether that's my own personal involvement, the rest of the wider team. I mean, it's definitely been a team effort. You know, this isn't this isn't a one man show. I can assure you that. Never mind the fact there's two directors. All of the people are critical, and um, I can't em emphasize enough the importance of. Um, of having good people in a recruitment business. It's, it's been my number one thing that I've always focused on ever since I've moved into sort of recruitment management, which would have been, you know, knocking on the door of 10 years ago. And yeah. I'm very passionate about that. And I suppose I'm then very proud and have pride around the, those people, who they are and their achievements. Fantastic. Good on you. Um, I think when you get out of recruitment, um, which all of us do at one day, although, although I'm not totally out of recruitment. Uh, but that's a wonderful legacy, uh, the people you've worked with and how well they go on to perform when you're not around. Um, talk, talking of performance, can we just wander across? Um, thank you for trusting us um, with your data, which you had to provide um, for the competition. 
Um, did you have any concerns about providing data to someone like ourselves uh, to enter the competition? Um, not just saying it, because it's yourself and I'm aware of you and have known you for a few years, etc. No, I didn't have any um, uh, concerns around that. I know there's obviously an inherent suspicious nature of a lot of recruiters, <laughs> yeah, but, but no, I didn't. I mean, there's, I find in life there's an element of um, uh, data is only data, you know, unless somebody does something with it, it's just data, you know. Um, you absolutely bloody right. There's a lot of there's a lot of conversations that go on in our market about uh, who's stolen the database from here and who's stolen the database from there. But I always turn around to the people and say they didn't do a lot with the database when they had the database originally. So <laughs> <laughs> talking of data, um, a question, obviously, from my end, I'm, I'm, I'm into data and analytics and uh, knowing what's good, bad and ugly. How helpful was your SIM dashboard to you during the competition? Yeah, it was the it was the first time we used it. Um, very interesting straight away. You know, and, and again, I'm not this is genuine. This is not just a sales pitch, of course. But um, we definitely haven't utilized it enough yet. Um, yeah. On heart, that's partly because we're just so busy. But we, it was really good to do some sense checking, and we we're pleased to find that from the conversation we had with yourself. So Ben and I had that conversation where we reviewed where we sat in relation to others as our sector and size yeah that you know we had a few areas where our metrics maybe had a cause for question or a cause for alarm but by and large we were sat in in quite a good range for what we saw we are still a young business and um, so a lot of the numbers are skewed like because you whenever you're building something the numbers are skewed and um, we are yeah. we are building so but at the same time you helped us work through assessing which ones of those we needed to be aware of in particular so overall really pleased with it and uh, i think we're uh, i think we're in the process of becoming an ongoing client i've just got to pay your invoice now <laughs> fantastic thank you uh, no I, the, the reason i asked is, is that um for a couple of reasons we wanted to showcase the dashboard and we wanted people to get a better understanding of how their performance stacked up did it give you that? Did it um, give you security where you needed it and saying, yeah, we thought we were good at that, we're, we're good or mm, not quite so good as we thought? Yeah, I think it's good to realise your weaknesses as well, of course, and be and, and see your areas for improvement. Um, in, in reality, until, until we used that dashboard for the first time, I don't know if I've ever actually had any facts and figures to that depth of... Of accuracy it's i've managed to acquire information about competitors over the years and stuff like that but it's a, it's a different way of looking at it because you would hope that everyone involved in it is putting in true data so that it's got as much of its um relevance um yes uh, a number of people have always uh, raised that issue of, of uh, um for the listeners uh our dashboards are available only to people who provide their monthly data they can see their own results uh, and they can see aggregated data on average, mean, medium, 90th percentile, whatever. Um, but the fact is, I can't see why anyone, Ryan, would pay us to provide us with a fictional P&L. Um, it's only them who gets to see their data. But um, Well, I, I'd, I'd agree with you, but there's a saying we use, and that there's now as queer as folk. So, uh, hey, I think, no. I, 
I've got to agree with you there. If there is, um, I don't know about it. <laughs> if I don't know about it, it's okay. Um, going forward, data, analytics, technology, what part's that going to play in, in, in helping you guide you through the future? Um, all of the above, I suppose. You know, it, I think it's becoming increasingly apparent that even in a buoyant market, you need to be building a business that's lean and mean. Yeah. Um, it's, it's all well and good being able to remove fat if you have to remove fat. But let's be honest, most processes involving removing fat are not pleasant. No. Um, so be that a personal matter or a P&L matter, you know. <laughs> um, but um, we work in a very heavy compliance-driven market because of the nature of the medical sector. Um, we are continually coming up with mechanisms using both technology and other, other pieces to try and improve that. Um, I won't divulge any more on here because uh, I need to keep some things to myself. All righty. Um, but, but we are looking at that. It's difficult in a market whereby um, it is the public health sector that's the predominant clients because you are semi-beholden to what they will or won't do with you. Yeah. Um, so you can have the most amazing system in the world, but if they don't want to use it, they don't use it. <laughs> and, but have you found that they've been a bit more flexible over the last six months? Yeah, I think there's more appetite to have conversations around thing, but things, but you've also got to remember that they've been flat out themselves dealing with a, a looming pandemic of, uh, of, uh, of increased caseloads. So some conversations have also been put onto the, uh, onto the long finger in terms of being delayed because there's an element of let's just get through 2020 and we'll deal with this later. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yes, it, it, is, it, it has shifted. I mean, I'm, I'm now in my 11th year in the Australian market, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Can't actually, can't actually remember, 11 or 12 years in this um, healthcare market in, uh, in Australia. So there's definitely been a shift and more of a propensity to have those conversations. One would think that given our, um, our track record here now in Australia with uh, COVID and with the onset of vaccinations, and then you look across to the UK, which is where I think an awful lot of the locums and um, expats come from, you would think that now we've always been a good proposition to uh, the Poms. Uh, you would think now that um, given that, you know, that most of us are back to a relatively normal life, relatively, um, with the exception of travel, you would think that coming out to Australia now, there's got to be an awful lot more uh, appealing to a UK doctor given lockdown and all the crap they're going through. Are you finding that? Yeah, I'm spending quite a bit of time talking about this with various people uh, at the moment. We're also fortunate enough to have managed to um, uh, have had the opportunity to set up a presence in Ireland. So we're actively working on them bringing doctors across from the UK and Ireland to Australia yeah. uh, and New Zealand at the moment. So um, Australia and New Zealand combined have always been a huge for a variety of different uh, ways and reasons proposition to a UK or Irish doctor yeah you have still got the tyranny of distance and at the moment in the world distance has become ever such more so exposed so the days of oh you can don't worry you can be home in 24 hours are gone, are gone. and without sounding negative I don't think they're going to come back that easily for quite some time so mm. the, the 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 situation with the doctors is that 
for some of them, if they're wanting to make a real lifestyle move and maybe bring the family or whatever, or double down and commit to Australia and New Zealand, you know, for them, it's business as usual. But for those that maybe have, you know, elderly parents in the UK or Ireland, et cetera, or some other country over in that side of the world, they've, they've still got the challenge of, if I come to Australia, can I get back out easily to pop back home for a fortnight? And at the answer, the answer at the moment is no. So, yeah. I so it, totally. it's a sort, it's a fairly black and white uh, issue at the moment in that context. Now that will obviously improve as we as we progress. One would hope, um, but we're not there yet. So um, there's a lot of sort of wait and see. But yes, there's definitely more people around the world looking at Australia and New Zealand now, as we've seen with all the celebrities flooding in buying up all the property. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can understand why too. Um, <laughs> Remote working, is that, um, what's your view on that for the future? Um, is it really going to be here to stay or would you prefer to have your team back and would the team prefer to be back? Our particular team prefer yeah. to be together. Um, I've managed a lot of people over the years who preferred to re remote work as well, um, especially when you start including stuff like children, childcare, etc. Yeah. Um, I think for those that it suits, they're going to capitalise on this situation and leverage it more so that they can be more of a remote worker. For businesses that can do a remote work model where it's not as critical to be in an office, they're going to capitalise on it. Anybody who's trying to get rid of office costs, they're going to maximise on that as well. Um, there's one or two main factors, though, and that is recruiters generally tend to be people people. And Ooh. People, people don't generally tend to want to sit in their spare bedroom for eight hours a day on their own five days a week. So I think we'll see more of a blend, yeah. And, and I think that's probably the answer. It's um, given the possible lockdowns here, there and anywhere, you could be locked down by tomorrow. Um, <laughs> so I, I guess uh, proactively working the system so that uh, it works for you and the team is makes an awful lot of sense. Um What's the one thing you've really, really enjoyed about 2020, if there was one thing? Um, from a personal point of view, I've, and, and this sounds very bizarre what I'm about to say, but COVID has actually been the one thing that has brought everyone together. Mm. A very divisive world that we live in. I mean, I won't start rambling about um, various different types of politics, but it's a very divisive world that we live in um, and it's becoming increasingly divisive. And, um, and polarised and whatnot. And COVID has actually, in some instances, brought people together. We all have a shared issue and a shared cause. And it's almost becoming like a religion. Wow. <laughs> um, we won't go into religion or politics, but um, I think that's a wonderful thing to hear you say as, as something that's come out of something that um, hopefully is once in a lifetime for all of us. This competition was the first year and Ryan, you and the team should really be proud. And I hope the recognition that you and the team achieve for this, which recognizes your hard work under extreme circumstances. And I take my hat off to you and the team and we're delighted that you're winners. We really are. 
No, likewise, it's great to um, it's great for One Medical to have received this accolade, and it's great to have been involved with the process. Um, I think it's the first thing we've actually ever. I think it's the first thing we've actually ever entered as well. So uh, it's good to, uh, good to go through positive experience. A bit of pressure on us now for next time, whatever the uh, the criteria might be. Well, that'll be coming up. Um, we'll be looking at that soon. So we look forward to seeing you in this year's competition, and wish you and the team all the best for a safe, happy healthy and of course prosperous 2021 take Indeed. care thank you for your time my pleasure <laughs> cheers madam <laughs>